So if you like my podcast, you'd probably like Tara Brock. She's somebody who I've followed for years and years now on podcasts, and she was one of the first sort of meditation teachers putting out weekly podcasts. Tara Brock. Look her up. She's awesome. And she always has really funny uh, sort of long stories that that's not really my style of teaching, but I love hearing her stories. And one of her stories that she shared a few times on her podcast is about some Christian ministers, priests. I, I don't remember the exact story, but they're going through some old texts and they're in this basement. And I don't remember the entire details, but the main thing is that they're going through these old texts and like looking for some clarity on something they're looking up. And they see uh, where they thought the word was celibate. They look again and they realize we've been misinterpreting it wrong the whole time. And it actually says celebrate. So they're thinking that you're supposed to be celibate and not have sex and enjoy sexual pleasure. But all along, the text actually said celebrate your sexuality. So whenever I heard that, it made me think of looking deeper into brahmacharya because brahmacharya is one of the yamas and continuing this series now on the yamas and niyamas and the eight limbs of yoga brahmacharya is most often interpreted as abstinence you've probably heard this and most teacher trainings they'll say this brahmacharya means abstaining from misuse of sexual energy abstaining from uh, any sort of like material physical pleasures in general and cultivating your energy so, you know, if you look at other texts, there's actually a lot of different interpretations, and there's not really quite a consensus on this in that same way. So we'll talk all about that today and some of the things that I've found in today's episode of the Yoga Teacher Training Podcast. My name is Jeremy Devins, and I host this podcast every Tuesday here, wherever you can find podcasts. And I also host the Quiet Mind Yoga Podcast, free weekly online classes. You can do audio classes and the Quiet Mind Astrology Podcast with new Vedic astrology updates every week and new lessons there. So this all goes together in this big picture of how I see yoga is incredibly valuable in understanding yoga, Ayurveda, Vedic astrology, all these sister sciences. And right now, I, one of the things I'm doing is leading a book club with my partner, Christine Rodriguez of the Astrology Now podcast. So that's at yogabookclub.com. We're reading the Yoga Sutra right now. We haven't gotten to Brahmacharya yet, but we will soon. So you can join in any time, yogabookclub.com. There's a 14-day free trial to start and check it out. We record every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central. Live readings, you don't need to have the book. And we discuss it, philosophize together live on Zoom, and it's recorded for you to watch anytime on demand. So you don't have to be there live if you can't. Yogabookclub.com to check that out. So today, Brahmacharya, this is something that's really significant to me because when I was doing my first yoga teacher training, there was no talk of sexuality really at all. In many of the spiritual trainings I did for years, there was no talk of sexuality. Like it just wasn't even brought up. It was like, oh, there's brahmacharya, you know, abstain and uh, on to other things. And it just kind of quickly brushed away. But I was like, wait a minute, you know, this is the life force. This is the reason that we exist. This is important, right? And I have, like, I'm not ashamed to say, I have a lot of sexual energy and I think it's a powerful thing to embrace that we are creative sexual beings that's essential for our creativity it's the second chakra it's part of our creative expression it's our sensuality it's not just the act of sex but our creative ability 
And I was, especially as a musician, very creative. And I think musicians have this very strong second chakra energy as well, which often turns to addictions and overindulging in pleasure. And that is, of course, not brahmacharya. And that's kind of the opposite of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, But it's this enjoyment of pleasure and sounds and sights and artists and painters. And this, you know, this is sort of the stereotype, more so in the past, not so much in recent years. Uh, but that creative artists get addicted into indulging in their senses. So yes, that would be the opposite of brahmacharya. So having this energy in myself and wanting to understand it better, I was not getting those answers in the yoga trainings that I was doing. So I started to look into uh, Mantak Chia. Actually, a student, a male student, gave me this book about uh, from Mantak Chia about just cultivating sexual energy for men. And he writes books for men and women and couples. They're great books. If you're curious about this stuff, Mantak Chia, M-A-N-T-A-K-C-H-I-A. He's a great teacher about sexual energy, probably the best that I've found. And essentially what he's teaching, I think, is brahmacharya, but I'm... I think the only person to make that connection. I don't hear anybody else saying that because uh, it's one of these things. It's like in you know, Vedic, if you know Vedic astrology, it's like in the eighth house of the secret, the hidden, uh, the bedroom. You know, not in the public eye. These sort of things are often hidden mystery schools. The occult tantra is just shrouded in mystery. But really, tantra is often just associated with sex, but it does not often equate to sex. There's different branches of Tantra that are not just sexual. But yes, Tantric sex is part of that. And that is also about cultivating the sexual energy. And I think there's a lot of overlap, just like with many traditions, there's overlap in the East, where uh, these teachings on Taoist sexual cultivation overlap in many ways with like the Kama Sutra and overlap in many ways with Tantric practices. But in the yoga tradition, so if we just go to the Yoga Sutra, they talk about brahmacharya. It's Brahma means Brahman, the source of creation. So we're all Atman. We have the Atman, the sort of drop of the ocean. That's our awareness. And Brahman is the ocean that we all come from. <coughs> so Atman is the drop of the ocean. Brahman is the ocean. Acharya means to walk with or to be led by or to lead. So we're being led by this energy of Brahman, the source of creation. And the source of creation is infinite. If you look at any fruit that uh, produces seeds, they produce an abundance of seeds way more than they ever produce fruit again. Right? Just look at any fruit that comes off a tree. It's going to have a bunch of seeds in it, and most of those seeds will never become another tree. Uh, so there's an overabundance of production. So there's this excess of creative energy in the universe and it's always creating more and more and more so we're walking with that and being led by that energy of infinite creative potential and possibility and that's my interpretation of brahmacharya and to me that means not shutting off the flow of that infinite creative energy it also means not necessarily wasting it and maybe wasting it in indulging in the sexual pleasures or the sensual pleasures, of course, right? That's obviously going to lead to all sorts of issues. And uh, it's not, I mean, we're, all, we're just four steps into the eight limbs of yoga here. We got a lot more. It's not just eight steps. We got a lot more to go here. So if at this point, if you're not harming yourself, not harming others, you're being honest, you're not stealing, 
but then you have this issue with overindulging in the senses and pleasure, like you're not going to get very far in the uh, practice of yoga and the pursuit of samadhi, where you become sort of immersed in the present moment, and instead you're going to get sort of uh, inoculated and and sort of uh, maybe even like anesthetized, where you're just sort of numb to the present moment or sort of unconscious of the present moment, where you're just kind of lost in the senses and the, the experiences. So we want to be able to manage that energy, and that means managing our time and attention as well. Our most valuable asset that is so finite is our attention and our time, both of those things. Uh, you can't buy time, right? We can buy all sorts of material things, but the days just keep going by, right? And we can't buy time back. We can't buy youth back. So that being aware of that, being intentional with that is part of brahmacharya, I believe. And having not time indifference. So this is something that I learned in my own personal growth through uh, Under Earners Anonymous, which is something I went through a few years ago. Is something that's very common among yoga teachers is undervaluing their time and energy. So I went through this Under Earners Anonymous program at the recommendation of a mentor. And one of the things they teach you in there is to not practice, to not have time indifference, where it's just like, oh, you know, the day just kind of slips by, uh, you know, I'll go do this, go do that, and then, oh, the day's over, and, you know, my goals aren't too big and important, you know, I don't want to be too attached to goals, you know, because that's what yoga says, uh, but then, you know, you're, you're not valuing yourself, you're not valuing your finite time and energy, and that's not brahmacharya. So, the sex part is just one of it. The sexual energy, the sensual energy is just one part of it. But what about just your time and attention in general? Are you letting that be pulled away by social media and news and all these these sort of external distractions that you can't control? These things you cannot control. Other people's reactions to you, other people's judgments, opinions, politics, things that are way outside of your sphere of influence. If you're letting those take over your energy and time and attention, that's not brahmacharya, right? You're not, you're not walking with Brahman. You're now sort of walking with the ego, and the ego is driving you the scarcity, the fear, the judgment, the insecurity, all these sort of things can kind of take over. But we want to be led by Brahman. We don't want to be led by ego, the ahamkara. We want to be led by Brahman, which says, you are infinite creative potential, and you are here for a reason to fulfill your dharma that only you can fulfill. And that, I think, is the real ultimate lesson of yoga that we are all here to learn, whether we practice yoga asana or not. That's the lesson for all of us here to learn. Why am I here? What is my purpose? What do I have to offer that only I can offer? And how can I get in alignment with that and not be pulled and taken off course by these distractions, by the sensual pleasures, by the media, but stay connected and led by Brahman, my true source. So everyone has a different definition of that. It could be God, Yahweh, Jesus, Allah, whatever it is for you, it's all totally valid as long as it feels like it's in alignment with your source and brings you back to why you're here and what's important to you. Sexuality can be one means of doing that. It can also be a means of taking you off that path. Your creative expression can be a means of doing that, but it can also become overindulgence and maybe even workaholicism, workaholism, uh, or being too indulgent in your creative output and too attached to your creative output, right? So it's the teachings of the Bhagavad Gita of, of doing your best, of just 
putting your work out there and not being attached to how people respond or don't respond, if they love it or hate it, you just focus on giving your best and putting your work out there as best you can. So what I do to apply this, what really helps me is some sort of time tracking. I really like Michael Hyatt's work. If you're not familiar with him, he's another, he also has a great podcast, Michael Hyatt, just like it sounds. I've been following him for about 10 years now, actually, and watched him grow his business from just him by himself to this big thing that he's doing now. He has a planner called the Full Focus Planner that I've used for a year now, and I love it. It's very helpful. It kind of breaks your whole life down into quarters and then goals for the quarter and then goals for the week and goals for the day. So this is very helpful to eliminate time indifference because really, we need to have a sense of urgency to be here on Earth, I believe. I mean, that's my judgment, and maybe that's not your experience. But we are alive for a very short time, and then we're dead forever. And that, for some reason, when I heard that uh, years ago and heard it again recently, it was like, that really resonates with me and really stands out. It really reminds me of how fleeting and valuable time is. We're just here for maybe 100 years, and that's it. And then we're just dead forever. You know, maybe we go into a new soul, new body, whatever. Maybe there's some sort of reincarnation. We don't know. We can't say with absolute certainty, but we can say with absolute certainty that we are here for a finite amount of time. And we do have things that we're called and inspired to do. And I encourage you to do the thing that you're afraid to do. If you feel like, I kind of want to do that, but I don't know if I can. This is how I felt when like, I wanted to do my first teacher training. Right? Maybe you felt this too. It's like, I, I kind of want to do it. I don't know if I can afford it or if it's the right time or if I should practice more. But I feel like I want to do this. And I just trusted that voice and went for it. I had the same feeling when I first moved to Austin, Texas 10 years ago or so. I had the same feeling when I started my online teacher training last year and started doing this all online and made my pot. You know, every step of the way, there's been this sort of voice of like, I don't know if I'm ready, but I feel this pull and desire to do this thing and I'm going to trust it. And I think that is walking with brahmacharya, walking with Brahman, with brahmacharya, more so than abstinence. Right, so cultivating sexual energy and using it mindfully. Montak Chia teaches very well about that, much better than I could. But essentially, it's of course not wasting your sexual energy, not just having sex willy nilly. You know, in your 20s, he says it's okay, it's not so bad in your 20s. But after that, it becomes much more important to cultivate your Jing, as it's called in Chinese medicine. Uh, there's not quite an equivalent in. Uh, Ayurveda, but it's sort of your energy, your prana. So you're cultivating your prana and not wasting it through constant sexual activity or constant busyness in general, or through uh, sort of time indifference. But you're cultivating the energy and aiming it towards your intention. And then you have more will and more energy to do the things that are scary. And you're not sort of getting that dopamine hit of the easy sexual gratification or the easy social media gratification that dopamine is waiting for you on the other side of you following your dharma. And that is again brahmacharya, where you're, you're saying, okay, I'm gonna cultivate my energy towards this goal I have of completing teacher training or starting an online business or whatever it is for you, where you know it's gonna be a little uncomfortable, it's gonna be difficult, you're gonna to have to figure out a lot of new things that you haven't done before, but that voice is saying, go this way. And you trust that voice and you walk with it and you let it lead you and I think eventually you become able to lead others 
And now the brahmacharya is also means, acharya means to lead, like Krishnamacharya. So Krishnamacharya, he walked with Krishna, right? That was the name of the teacher of Patavi Joyce, of BKS Iyengar, Indra Devi, and his son, Desikachar, right? So all the modern yoga is, is in large part, at least as we know it now, thanks to Krishnamacharya, who was born in 1888, lived to 1988. If, you don't, if you're not familiar with him, uh, he's sort of the father of modern vinyasa yoga. We would probably still have yoga without him, but he had a major positive influence on what we understand of yoga. And his name was Krishna Macharya. So he walked with Krishna, the Krishna from the Bhagavad Gita. And Krishna led him, and eventually he became a leader like Krishna, a studier of all things to do with yoga, Ayurveda, Vedic astrology, all things to do with the source text of yoga, he practiced and studied that and then taught that. And I think that's what yoga is calling us to do in that lineage, right? So I learned from my teachers and their teachers, and I'm hopefully passing this on to you to continue this lineage of walking with Brahman and everything you do as best you can. And of course, we're going to have times where we slip up or we make mistakes. And that's how we really learn, right? Anything that I've said that you resonate with, it's probably because you've had some sort of challenge or setback in that area. And that's how I've learned my lessons of, oh, it didn't really work to go down that path, uh, but it did work to go down this path, right? So we learn what resonates for us and where we do feel in alignment. And it's okay to experiment and fail and make mistakes. And I definitely still have days where I'm, I have the time indifference and I'm not mindful of my time and energy. And that's okay, right? And then we learn and then we adjust course. So to practice this in your life, I recommend having some sort of journal, maybe like the Michael Hyatt Journal, the Full Focus Planner. I'm not affiliated with that, but I love it and recommend it. I also do some sort of spreadsheet that I've made because I just, I'm a nerd like that and I like spreadsheets. So I track my time in that way. And then I use timers. So I have an old iPad that I wasn't using. I was going to sell it, but then I just decided to just put it up as a timer. So I'm especially under quarantine where time can really slip by. And I've had days where it just slips by. So I keep that timer going in different times of the day to keep me aware of the time. And then just in general, in your, in your relationships and in your energy with your relationships, are you wasting energy on fighting and texting and fighting over text, right? That's a big drain for some people. Or maybe not talking about things you need to talk about. That can be a drain of energy. And again, when you get real clear, like in your meditation or yoga, you know what you need to do. And that voice says, go this way. And it's usually quiet, calm, and still. It's not panicked. It's not rushing. It's not comparing you to other people. That is your ego. And you hear that voice say, okay, thank you. I hear you. I'm going to listen a little bit closer, a little deeper to the quieter voice that says, okay, it's going to take some time to get in this direction. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be setbacks. But trust me, go this direction, right? Just like in the movie, The Matrix, I think of that sometimes where uh, in the beginning of the movie, uh, Neo gets this call from Morpheus and he's like, turn left, right? And Neo doesn't know why, but he just says, okay, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to turn left. He's like, all right, wait, right? And then he waits and then these bad guys go by, right? So and you just trust that voice. I think we all have that voice within us. That's the Brahman and we let it lead us. And the more we let it lead us, the more we know what that feels like and we tune into that frequency and we can lead others in the same way. Then when we go to teach yoga classes or meditation or just be of presence and service to others, it's not coming from the ego. It's not coming from logic and ration and trying to figure it out. It's coming from Brahman through us. 
And I think that's the ultimate goal of Brahmacharya, to be a vessel, to be a channel for this to come through you. So when you sit down to teach, you just get out of the way and let it come through and you can lead from that voice within. So I hope this has been helpful for you. I love talking about this stuff. If you want to share or talk more about it, join the Yoga Book Club. We'll be discussing yoga philosophy every week. Me and Christine Rodriguez, my partner, and uh, we're reading the Yoga Sutra right now, yogabookclub.com. And you can find me on Instagram, at jeremy.quietmind. I'd love to know what you think of this episode. And you can also join the Quiet Mind community over on Facebook. It's a, a Facebook group just for people like you and I who are studying this stuff practicing and learning it together. So that's uh, quietmind.yoga. You'll see a link for that and all the other stuff I'm up to, weekly classes on Zoom, the membership site with weekly uh, classes from Zoom added to that. So there's on-demand classes. And then next week, we'll be back to talk all about one of my absolute favorite teachings of yoga philosophy, Aparigraha, something I practice and teach a lot because I think it's so valuable, non-grasping. So thank you for listening, and please leave a review if you enjoy this podcast. And we'll talk to you next week on the Yoga Teacher Training Podcast. Thanks for listening.